Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl. What are we talking about today? Uh, later on in the podcast, and as the main subject of the podcast, we'll be talking about Pieces of a Woman, which recently, but not as recently as you would think, to record a podcast about it, came out on Netflix. It came out on Netflix January 7th. We are recording this... At January 14th. A, at January 14th. Oh, a week. It's not that long. Yeah, it's pretty good for us. Yeah, it's pretty good for us. Um, uh, but right now... We are going to be talking about the recent news, and recent, I mean four days ago, uh, news that Deadpool 3 will be set in the MCU and will also have the R rating that the previous two had. So this was announced. What does this mean exactly for those of us like me who are not exactly sure or who might have thought that Deadpool was already in the MCU because Deadpool's a, you know, a Marvel character? Okay, Deadpool was not in the MCU. Um, I think it's in kind of its own weird universe, like sort of connected, sort of not connected. Probably the universe it's closest to is the Sony X-Men universe that movies like X-Men Last Stand and X-Men First Class and X-Men Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix took place in. But I think it's, um, as far as I'm familiar with or from what I've heard of because I don't think I've I think I've caught little bits of both of the movies on cable but I don't think I've watched either of them all the way through that but they've never really been fully connected to either one I mean because Deadpool is such like a break the fourth wall character there have been references to the other universe but I don't think they they take place in the same universe as Iron Man or Captain America I got you. And these occur, the reason why this is, is intellectual property, copyrights and things like that, business stuff mainly? Uh, Business stuff, because I think at the time in which Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2 came out, they were in possession, Fox was in possession of these characters. All right, cool. Well, that's that's kind of exciting. Oh, by the way, when I said Sony X-Men Universe, I meant Fox X-Men Universe. They were owned by Fox, but now that Disney owns Fox, they're now part of that, and really... This doesn't mean incredibly much, but what it does mean is that there are chances for Deadpool to interact with our other more well-known Marvel Cinematic Universe characters. Yeah, so if we had Avengers 7, Deadpool could could be in that. Yes. Theoretically. And it also means, and what what the R rating is important is, I guess just so the movie would be R rated, because I I believe previously there was a rule that all the Marvel movies had to be PG-13. That's a but this that's is, an internal Marvel rule. That's right? a, just right. an that in- to be with their kind of maximize that sweet zone of profit and like in temperament, I guess, with the movies like somewhat adult but not crazy adult. Uh yeah, that's uh, that's kind of exactly why they would do it. But I think the reason they'd be keeping this as R-rated is both Deadpool and Deadpool Two at the times in which they came out were the most money-making R-rated movies, so they wouldn't... They were really good, they the first one especially. They wouldn't want to change that. Yeah, well, I think I think the Deadpool audience would be sorely disappointed if uh, they backtracked on that. And also, on a kind of larger scale, bigger picture thing, it also means there's a slight possibility of other R-rated things happening in the MCU, possibly maybe some Wolverine stuff, some other more... 
quote unquote adult characters. Gotcha. That's cool. Well, all right. I, I think this is pleasant news. This is good news for yeah, us. This is good news. It will probably be 2023 or 2024 when that movie comes out because they can't film it this year because Ryan Reynolds is such like, you know, a big star. Marvel's also filming all this other thing, so it's mainly like scheduling conflicts. So it'll probably get filmed in 2022, meaning it comes out 2023 at the earliest, probably 2024. Gotcha. Which that's a long way off, but I don't know. You can, you can be excited for that long. How nice for us to have an opportunity to practice our patience. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. That's good news. Uh, what else were you talking about today? Uh, well, now I'd say we should get into the main subject of the podcast, which is Pieces of a Woman. This is about when a young mother's home birth ends an unfathomable tragedy. She begins a year-long odyssey of mourning that fractures relationships with loved ones in this deeply personal story of a woman learning to live alongside her loss. Really sounds fun and not depressing. This is clearly... You can probably tell from that title whether you would be interested in seeing this movie. Although I'd say even if you like, you're not the biggest fan of these kind of like sadder dramatic movies, I'd still say give it a shot because it's got a lot of it's got a lot of good things. Uh, this movie stars Vanessa Kirby as Martha, who is the young mother mentioned in the title. And we talked about her a little bit when we talked about Hobbs and Shaw. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, Shia LaBeouf plays. Sean, which is Martha's husband, Ellen Burstyn plays Martha's mother Elizabeth, and Eliza Schlesinger plays Martha's sister Anita. This is directed by, and I am not going to be pronouncing this name correctly, I think it's Hungarian, it's a Cornel Mondrusco, and written by Kata Weber, there's an accent mark on the first E of the last name, and I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly either. I wish I knew how to correct it, if it is indeed wrong, but yes. I don't. So the reason, I guess this is not the normal type of movie we talk about on this podcast. The reason we are talking about it is, one, we just want to talk about movies on the podcast. That's a fun thing to do. But also, uh, several, okay, several's a lot. A, a good, a decent amount of the critical people that I enjoy, this is one of their favorite movies of the year. So we decided we'd we'd give it a watch when it became available for us to see. And we watched it when it became available for us to see, and now we're talking about it. And oh. We're glad we did. Yes, we are. What did you think of this movie? So, uh, I overall, I'd say I, I liked this movie. Uh, there are a few things that I really liked about it. Uh, one w- was the acting. And I feel like we say this often, but it's because, you know, it's because the actors are good. Uh, Ellen Burstyn, in particular, I really love. Shia LaBeouf, I thought was great. Uh, I've forgotten the girl's name already, Vanessa Kirby. They were all, I would consider them kind of the three leads. I mean, certainly the couple is the two leads. But uh, they were all really, really good. I never for a moment saw them, quote, acting, which is, you know, the kind of the the thing you don't want to see. You don't want to be taken out of the story by somebody's performance. And so I thought all of them were great. Shia LaBeouf is a very physical actor. I really didn't, I don't think I've seen a lot of his work, but he really embodied this kind of blue-collar uh, capable man kind of uh, physicality that was pretty awesome. And Vanessa Kirby is, of course, beautiful and talented. And the emotional range that she had to go through was pretty wonderful, especially kind of in the moment. Uh, Lots of, you know, switching between, like, you know, drama and comedy. Um, 
you know, maybe f- feeling poor to feeling like happy and love. And she kind of did that seamlessly and beautifully. And Ellen Burstyn, you know, one of the craziest, you know, actors we have around uh, ever. She was, uh, she was incredible. And she had, you know, there was a lot of nuance in what she was doing as her character kind of, and I don't want to get into spoilers territory, but as, as it kind of, as, as it grows on in the movie. Uh, so I thought the acting was really, really great. Um, and technically, I thought how it was shot, especially there's this amazing, you know, scene towards the beginning of the movie, and it's a, it's a one-shot scene, which means there's no cuts. You know, a lot of times in a scene, you'll have two people talking, and, you know, we'll see one head when that person's talking, and then we'll see the other head when the other person's talking, but the camera won't move anywhere. They have cut the film. Uh, this, the camera is moving a lot and showing us different angles. They're not cutting and it's it's used I, I don't I think it's effective I, it's definitely impressive that's for sure because the amount of technical ability it takes to have the scene lit correctly have the sound be captured correctly the actors because this took place in the house the actors are moving from different rooms and it's, it was just really well done and it, I, I think the reason behind it probably was just to kind of give you this Full on the moment, uh, no breaks experience, which is you know as you know the the, the you know is given away in the logline of the movie that you know it's a tragic birth, uh, and that doesn't mean that the kid grows up and goes to Auburn, but that also would be tragic. <laughs> uh, so you know some bad things are coming, but it, it, so it kind of just makes you there for that whole experience. Uh, so I thought that was technically, I thought it was really, really outstanding, especially that one. I say one brief section, but it's like you know a little bit over a two hour movie, and that's twenty six minutes over twenty two minutes or how long it was. I think so, it was twenty four minutes. Twenty four minutes. There we go. Um, and the other thing I think I really liked about this movie is that it didn't flinch in its storytelling. Without getting into too many details or spoilers, now I wanted to say that it. Um, you know, it, it it has the characters do some terrible things. And I think some movies might flinch away from that. And this did not. It let the characters kind of go on their journey, whether it's a happy journey or a sad journey, whether it's a shocking journey or not. They went on it. And it, you know, it says this is this situation. These are the two people we're throwing into this situation. And this is how they're going to act, whether you like how they act or not. And there are many times that I wanted to be like, yell at the movie and maybe even done it since we're watching it at home because of COVID. You know, don't do that. Or, you know, give them instructions, uh, which they refused, of course, unfortunately. Um, so I, I, I respect the storytelling in, in that aspect a lot. So, yeah. Those are my, those are the things I really liked about it. Uh, the things I enjoyed about this movie, and it's largely similar things since there's a lot of stuff this movie does really well. Uh, mainly, I think, is the acting. All around, the acting is great. I think Vanessa Kirby is definitely the MVP. She does a lot of what you said. But there's a lot of emotional range in that and a lot of a lot of stuff she has to do in this movie. There's, there's several scenes where we're kind of like, or shots, I guess, where we're just focusing on her facial expressions, and that's kind of all her. And she does that uh, great. Shia LaBeouf is... I mean, it's also great. I mean, Vanessa Kirby kind of like, I think she, I think she's just amazing. Uh, Shia LaBeouf is is good. He's kind of 
I mean, a lot of the movie involves us kind of reacting negatively to his actions, but I think he does that in a relatable way. He kind of really gets across kind of the essence of what the character is involving his, like, his want for a family and his kind of belief that that is, this is not a spoiler, the belief that, that has been taken from him. And I, I think he, he puts that across to the audience uh, very well. Ellen Burstyn is also amazing. I think you were correct, and these are the three main you know performances of this movie. Uh, she has a scene where she does this kind of like you know powerful like voice raised monologue uh, that I think she does incredibly well. All around, the acting is great. I think that's the main appeal. Like even reading reviews of this movie, even the reviews that uh, were more so negative on this movie. Uh, they all felt that the acting was great, especially Vanessa Kirby. So I think this is something everyone could agree on. It's definitely worth seeing because of that. Uh, this movie is also visually fantastic. This The shots are very appealing. They're very interesting. There's a lot of different interesting like colorful, color moments. Like there's, there's stuff in all red. And all, all of that is very you know nice to look at with the eyes. And that's, that's very good shots. There's some argument to be made that the more like artsy elements of the uh, shooting style do not help the story but if we're just talking about how great it looks and not talking about maybe how that affects the other elements i i think it looks amazing and i i included this as its own thing you included that into your visually interesting section but the 24 minute long one shot near the beginning of the movie is just it's just great it's just fun to see if you don't have the time to see the whole movie, maybe just watch that 24-minute one-shot because it kind of works. It could work as its own, like, short film. And I think that scene shows kind of all the great stuff of this movie. Mondrusco's, like, directing, because obviously it would take a lot to make that work. Uh, Benjamin Loeb is a cinematographer for this movie, and, I mean, that also shows how beautiful the shots are and how well that's done. He's got to move around with the camera during that entire scene and not mess up and make all the shots look interesting. And he does. It also shows what's great about the acting in this. Because, uh, one, they don't, you know, falter throughout all of this. So they don't mess up. But also, like, Vanessa Kirby makes this look real, and so does uh, Shia LaBeouf. So I think what that one-shot scene shows, uh, this shows the uh, best parts of this movie and what this movie does well. Uh, some other stuff I'm a little bit more negative on is, and I know I just I just talked about the interesting shots, but some of the stuff and more the artsy stuff and maybe the more weirder stuff, they kind of took me out of the story a little bit. Uh, mainly, there's there's some things where they'll zoom in on like the neck of a person and we'll hear their heartbeat, uh, like through the movie, the sound, and like that. I'm not quite sure what that adds to the story, and it, all it did mainly was confuse me and take me out of it. So as much as I think this movie is beautiful, there is also some shots where I'm just like, okay, we could be doing this a number of different ways, and it would uh, bring in the same result. Uh, another thing is, now I'm not sure this is exactly the right wording of what I want to say, uh, but the writing doesn't exactly know what some parts of the story are. I think some of the middle elements involving Shia LaBeouf's character, I think those could have been done better. Like, there's 
it's a lot of him doing like bad things. We see like one scene of him doing a bad thing, a couple of scenes later him doing another bad thing, and like there is enough, like said, to connect the dots of why he's doing these bad things. I just wish we got some more of that. It also up some more about his character and kind of understanding him a little bit more. Uh, also, near the end, there's some parts that felt a little like out of place with the rest of the movie. There's some stuff in a courtroom where there's this this monologue that I felt was a little like, oh, okay, this is I'm not quite sure this exactly fits with the tone you've set up throughout the rest of the movie, uh, and the third thing I kind of didn't like about, and this is a really like minor thing, and it's almost nitpicky, but there's some like overtly obvious metaphors there's stuff involving metaphors of like growth and birth and stuff like that that i don't think really added to the story too incredibly much like there would be moments where like a the camera would linger on something and we're supposed to be like oh yeah this is how this shot connects to everything else that's going on in the movie and i think that doesn't really help the story too much, and it's more just, like, the audience recognizing, like, oh, this is what's happening, this is what's happening, but I don't think it really helps what's happening to show that. Um, what about you? Anything you didn't really like about this movie? Yeah, there are, there are a few things that I didn't love. Um, I, I, I hear you and agree with you with the kind of the, the odd camera angles that I didn't feel like they augmented the story or the feeling... And it's just a, really a question of degree. Like, a little bit would have been fine, but this was a little much. It was, it was much to where you noticed it, not just absorbed it. It, it, took, it took me out of the story. I think it took you out of the story as well. Uh, the, more, than, more than a few times, there were those, those uh, kind of occasions. Um, same thing, very related, kind of the decision of when to cut and when not to cut. I'm thinking specifically of Ellen Burstyn's monologue at the the dinner without going into details, but she's telling this long story and it just felt it felt too long. It, it felt like they were on her too long. I kept waiting for the cut to Vanessa Kirby, who she's talking to, and it never occurred and it bothered me. Now, possibly it was meant to bother me, but it didn't bother me again in the way of an, uh, an absorbing artistic experience. It bothered me in the way of like, why the heck aren't they cutting? <laughs> I want to see how Vanessa Kirby's reacting to this. Um, so, and again, that happened a few times. It's just, it's hard to explain you know, without, um, you know, without having somebody seen it, but it's as if you're, you see your normal two shot of like somebody maybe chest up in their face. And instead of like them being centered in the frame, the camera's like looking at their shoulder. <laughs> or you know, or something like that, or maybe looking over at the like a window. There was lots of use of like reflections and windows, and I liked that part of it. But even that got there was that happened a lot, and even that got a little bit old. So I think it's just a matter of degree, and maybe the just a little too much. Same thing with like the metaphors. See, like a little bit of the metaphor would have been fine, but it was just a little too much, a little too on the nose. Uh, though I did like how they paid that off at the end. I think when we get to our uh, spoiler section. We talk about. I want to talk about that because I did like how they paid that off. Um, and then I guess the other thing, and maybe we can talk more about this in the spoiler section as well, is there was just some kind of factual things, or maybe like 
when you walk into a drugstore and you're buying something and you do it, like there's a way that certain things happen. And in courtrooms and law, like there's a way that certain things happen. And they kind of just ignored those things for telling the story. And in a way, sometimes just ignore the thing just for pure style. So I, I think a lot of this movie if was going to sum up the things that I didn't love about it was that they sacrificed truth for style and relied heavily on the style and the quality actors, which they, which was, was great to do when you have got that, that asset. But I think the storytelling itself kind of suffered from that. There was a lot of interstitial shots of Vanessa Kirby just generally sad in different places, you know, with music. And that's, you know, there was a lot of that. And when you have an over two-hour movie, it feels like you could either cut some of that or actually have her actually doing something instead of just around and observing. And I guess some of the shots were a little bit cliched. Again, we have a, you know, there's a dead child. We know this from going into the movie. So, of course, you know, when we see her and she's going to see all around her, she's going to see children everywhere, you know, and you're going to notice these things. So there was a lot of that. And it maybe just a little little too much even. Uh, those are kind of what I would say the things that I didn't love the most. Until we get to the spoiler section, that can be more specific with a, with a couple of things, especially with the the violating the truth of the world and the action for style. Um, that kind of bothered me. I definitely agree with you with some of the, the camera shots. I think there was, there was a scene in a car, uh, I think, that both of us a little rolled this, our eyes about, where, like, the camera's, like, on the shoulder and, like, cheek of the person. And, like, <laughs> you know what? I don't think it would really, like, mess the style of this movie or how we feel about this movie if you just, you know, showed their face. If you were just, like... Right, like, you just, just wanted to nudge the yeah, camera over a little bit. Yeah, you moved the camera a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> We're not annoyed. And I don't know. I haven't done it. I knew nothing about this movie going in, and I've read no reviews or anything about it since. But, I mean, I wonder if, like, you know, we hear an, uh, an interview with the director. The director's like, well, I wanted to put the audience off kilter, just like Vanessa Kirby is off kilter, you know. Blah, and that that's a perfectly valid thing. And it could be that or it could not be. But I'm not sure that it worked or maybe it was just a little too much for me. You know, this isn't science. And also talking about some of the metaphors that you brought up, there were like, it's kind of what you're saying. It's just like most of this is like just too much. Like we're fine with a little bit of this and mainly like the metaphor stuff with me. Like there's one of these metaphors that like we just showed it a little bit less and I think they pay off this metaphor nice. And then there's also like other metaphors going on. I'm like, oh, okay, I like this one. We have this one. We don't need the other one. Yeah. Yeah, and I think again after we do the spoilers, we get the part. Uh, you know, I want to talk about just some things were just unclear in the narrative. They didn't need to be like they didn't add anything by making the audience scratch its head. You know, but anyways, we'll we'll cover that in a minute. So, do you want to go uh, tell me what you gave it grade wise, and then we'll go into the spoiler discussion, or were you not there yet? Or what? What is it? You're looking at me confused. Um, just I me. I believe. Uh, you had a question for me. I may have forgotten that question. Maybe what it was that question. I don't remember. That's that's kind of the issue. Oh, we'll well, cut right. this part out. No, we're just going to keep it in, but I don't know what you're talking about. But anyways, what, are we ready to move on to the grade? I think we are. Okay, cool. What grade did you give it? Yeah, I, I totally had that plan beforehand. <laughs> All right, so um, maybe I should do my grade? <laughs> yeah, do you do grade and not think about it. All right, I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Uh, again, I enjoyed the movie. I'm glad that I saw it. Um, but I can't give it just a solid B because of the things, the extra style and sacrificing the truth for it. 
that kind of was a detraction from the movie. But I'm glad I saw it. The performances are amazing. That again, that's worth it for that one segment in the beginning with the pregnancy was incredible. Um, so yeah, I give it a B minus. I think the B minus sounds that sounds right. Like a lot of like the visual stuff is great. Like the beginning, the beginning is so great. I think it gets it up there. I think we wanted a little less of some of the style stuff and a little more of some of the character stuff. I think that's a good overall statement about how we feel about the movie. Yeah, cool. So now we're going to go into our spoilers, spoiler discussion. So if you haven't seen the film now, this will be a good time to stop and uh, catch you back up after you've seen it. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's talk about the narrative question, first of all. Do you mind if we start there? Because I was, I was confused. Oh, oh, by the way, okay. Um, on me earlier in the podcast, what you're about to talk about now is what I was waiting for you to talk about back then. I forgot that that was post-spoiler. I got you. Was it, was it the narrative discussion? Yes. So it's a little bit unclear. So, again, we have this, we have this horrible, horrible thing that happens, this husband and wife who seem to love each other in the beginning of the movie watch their child die in front of them. He, you know, so the question, what is the question of the movie going forward? You know, are they going to recover as a couple? Could have been that. They kind of answered that. Seemed like fairly quickly. Um, How are they going to recover from this? And there's this element of a courtroom drama element to this movie, but it's in the background up until really the climax of the movie. The question is, you know, the midwife has been charged with criminal, with criminal charges negligence, manslaughter for killing the child. Throughout the movie, there's these little moments, usually with news reports, either on television or radio, a newspaper one too, I think, where we hear a little bit about the upcoming trial and the damages. And this always seems to find Vanessa Kirby and of course adds to her, you know, kind of misery. But it's unclear what the ramifications of the court case are because you have this character who plays, she's an assistant DA, a cousin to Vanessa Kirby's family, and she is prosecuting the case against... Played by, uh, oh, played by Sarah, Sarah Snook, by the way. Another reminder that we will never finish Succession. <laughs> That's right. Sarah Snook from Succession, and we like her in that as well. And she was she's good in this as well. Um, but it, it just became really confusing about a criminal case and a court case, and I feel like their terminology was wrong. And again, they know what they're talking about, but maybe they don't know what they're talking about, or maybe they're just willing to to do the narrative. They are okay. I mean, I you know I've never practiced criminal law, but I did go to law school and have read things about this. Um, so it, it ended up being confusing. Exactly what was her role? What is the papers that Shia LaBeouf, you know, the Ellen Burstyn needs Shia to to, to take, or just the, the person needs? Why would that come from the family? It's a criminal case. They keep bringing up the civil suit and money. But yet there's no talk about it. You have to file a civil suit, and neither one of them is talking about doing that. Oh, I, th- I think they do. I think they talk about adding the civil suit onto the criminal case. Because yeah, there's a scene where Snare Snook is talking to Shia LaBeouf's character, and he says, like, we're going to win the criminal case. If we add the civil suit onto it, we're probably also going to win the civil suit. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so you don't add a civil suit onto a criminal case. It's a whole separate thing with whole separate courts and whole separate attorneys. Like, that was part of the confusion. The fact that you think it runs like that is what exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and so then at the end, you know, we, we have, the, I think, 
I guess it's just unclear what the dramatic question is in the movie. And it, what it, the dramatic question seems to be answered is that, yes, she will testify. No, she will not lie. And she will not uh, try to condemn this woman, but she will either forgive or just admit the truth, which is what happened. This is not this lady's fault. And so that's that seems to be it. And then later she uses that hopefully to get over it and find some peace and some some middle ground. You know, sometimes in this narrative story arc, you're going down and you just kind of end up right back where you are. And that's a victory. And I think that's what that's what this could have ended at at the bridge. Um, speaking about the bridge, there was also this narrative device. And I think I could have said this in the beginning of things that I liked. You know, Shia LaBeouf is an engineer. He's building a bridge. And the movie takes has different scenes and components in it that are about three or four weeks apart. And to introduce those new segments, we see this long shot of the bridge. And there's being progress being made building the bridge. And then the date appears above it. I like that, actually, a lot. All right, I've been talking for a while. That was You talk a little bit. That was the metaphor I felt was a little obvious. The bridge and the, the, the metaphor like, is? That she's kind of... she's back to being whole now like the gap in herself is being metaphorically built across for this bridge and there's also like the the coming together to create a the child to create something new the creation of the bridge and there's and this really this is this is more of a nitpick problem than a real problem but there when she the scene where she looks over at the bridge and i was like oh no this is now too obvious <laughs> So the bridge didn't bother me as much. As I, I like I like the, the use seed, of like the, the apples, and the seedlings. Oh yeah, I like the use of the bridge for like the passage of time. Like I felt like oh that's a good way of showing how time has passed, and then we just add more and more onto it. We give it much more of a role than I think it needs. Yeah, I hear that. Now, what were you gonna say about the apples? I was gonna say well, I was gonna say the apple thing, but then I thought I thought it would go to the. The getting the film developed and the courtroom conversation first, since that kind of uh, that's when we find out about the apples is during the trial. So there's this thing, you know, when she's going through her unhappy phase, and she goes to a bookstore, and this is another like they shot. You know, we see her reflected in the window of the bookstore, and we also see people walking by in the window. Again, very artsy shot, but it kind of worked. She gets a book on. It's not seedlings. There's a word I'm not thinking of. But he's like, yeah, a sprouting, sprouting. That's it. So she starts, you see her all of a sudden now with apples everywhere. She's eating them. She's looking at them. She's holding them. She's smelling them. She's shopping for them. And she starts, you know, taking the seeds and start trying to, um, you know, put them in paper or whatever in water and sprout them, try to grow new apples, you know, basically. Again, very kind of on the nose. You lose something, your growth, you know, but... It worked for me in the end because during the courtroom scene where she's now, this this is, this is was pretty legit. She's just being, you know, cross-examined. You know, what did your baby, like what was the feeling of your baby? What did it, you know, what did it look like? Well, all this kind of stuff. And she says that the baby smelled like apples. And I liked that moment. Yeah, that was good. That was the, nice. The sprouting stuff was just a little too obvious to me. But like, I like the fact that it smelled like apples and that's why. But and this is the nitpicky stuff. And this is, you know, in other movies, it hasn't bothered me. And I know, like, doctors, when they're watching medical shows, they have to step to, like, okay, this has never happened, but, hey, it's Grey's Anatomy, so, of course, there's a, 
you know, an elephant coming in to do surgery. You know, that kind of like <laughs> that kind of thing. But like, so they're saying Shia LaBeouf had previous testimony uh, that Vanessa Kirby did not want to go to the hospital. And we saw that when she was like, go to the hospital. She's like, no, I don't want to. Um, she does later, though. She wants to. But so he comes in and gives his testimony, I guess, in a deposition. But this is the beginning of the court case. Yesterday, the opening statements and then that. So that was weird. That's off. So then Vanessa Kirby, at the recess of the courtroom things, goes and gets some pictures developed that her sister had dropped off. And so she, you know, there's the role of film. He's like, we have the negatives. You know, we, you want to have some developed. She's like, yeah. He's like, all right, great. I'll be back in a minute. And then we cut to her in the dark room looking at these pictures. And it's, again, it's a beautifully shot thing. There's reds and there's weird cameras angles and the music is cool. And it's a beautiful shot. But like, when the heck would anybody go back in the back room or the dark room of a photo developing place? <laughs> That's kind of like the perfect. It's just random. That's kind of like the perfect example of the more like style over substance elements of this movie. Yes, yeah, it's just over like why in truth. Why is this why is this happening? Oh yeah, oh yeah, cuz it looks cool. That's exactly the reason. That's exactly the reason. And so and then later, so she goes back, she has this epiphany. This is the moment. This is the cri- this is the climax. This is the crisis of the film. Her like seeing this thing, this this baby and the pictures of her cuddling and kissing her baby who lived for like two minutes and then she goes in the courtroom and she's like you know hey can i address the court she wants to talk to the judge this is and highly unusual but i'd like to hear what she has to say that's exactly that's so the that's, most like movie judge thing that's ever thing, that's the thing that in my head i was like if we have well, any- normally i wouldn't let this happen but seeing as it we're in a movie yeah please and then when she says address the court when address the court means you dress the judge usually so, but then, so she stands there, like in the open area, like in front of where a witness would stand, and she faces like the audience of the gallery of the courtroom. Not just, she's also facing the woman accused, but she just gives this little monologue and speech, like saying she doesn't blame her; it wasn't her fault; she didn't mean to, and like nobody should be punished in her life, in her daughter's life. You know, didn't come into this world to make somebody else's life miserable and like ruin their life, which it would have. So and the sentiment is beautiful, but the whole time I'm just like, what is going on? This would never happen, and I couldn't, I couldn't let it go. Like I couldn't, um, you know. It just, it was, it was a deal killer for me. Um, with maybe because the fact that those two scenes that just seemed to violate truth happened just right next to each other, maybe that was part of it. Maybe it was just one of them. But that was, I didn't, yeah, it was disappointing. There was so much other gritty, real, truthful stuff. That made me disappointed. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was talking about during my like original section of there's some like some parts near the end of the courtroom that don't really feel as connected to the rest. Like the rest of the movie, especially the beginning part, feels very like real. It puts you into this world, which is the real world, and then we get to the end and like the stuff that would never happen is happening. Like Charlotte Bus kind of descent into using again. He's he's in recovery and you know, he starts with drinking and then he's doing cocaine and I'm sure he's doing other stuff. Like all that felt truthful and real and like I get it. Like if anything's gonna make you lose out on your recovery from addiction, yeah, it's seeing your baby die in front of you. That'll do it. And uh, his journey I completely bought. So there's, in the one hand, we have that moments, and then we have this kind of, like, 
failure of truthfulness towards the end of the movie. Uh, what did you think when Ellen Burstyn offered to buy, offered to, she basically buys him off, say, get out of here, leave my daughter, go away, here's some money. What did you, what did you think or feel during that? I'm curious. That is one of the parts where I was confused and I would like a little more on that. Like I'm, I mean, the movie is mainly about Vanessa Kirby. So I was trying to feel like, how does this really affect the main message of this movie? Like, how does this make things better or worse or really like affect the emotional aspect of this movie when it comes to Vanessa Kirby? And I just, I don't know, that felt, it felt weird to me. That could be me missing something or me not really experiencing the movie as I should be experiencing it. But that that's just how I felt about that. I felt like, oh, I'm a little... I'm a little confused by this. I'm not quite sure why you're having this happen. Yeah, I I I, I like that moment, and I just thought of a fun moment earlier. <laughs> earlier, Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf were arguing about, you know, he's like, "Your mom never liked me." And she's like, "My mom likes you." <laughs> like, then on first, and like in this scene, the very person she's like, "I never liked you." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That's that's awesome and hilarious." Um, I thought that was really cool. How about, talking about uh, narrative, cool narrative, strong things. The fact that when she dropped him off at the airport, they don't even say goodbye. That was that hit me. That 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 hit me. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. So yeah. She drives him in the truck. Um, there's no goodbye. He just gets out of the truck and then throws the hat back in. You know, no speeches, no nothing. That was. I thought that was really. I thought that was a good choice. Yeah, that was that was well done. Uh, How do you feel about like the affair with Sarah Snook with the lawyer lady? Do you think that fit? I mean, or that really affected the story. What's that? Now, this, when making a movie, not everything has to be completely like necessary to the main message. It doesn't have to be this completely like streamlined thing. But do you think that was necessary? And what does that add to the story? I don't know because because you have that. You have them. You have some exposition with the court case that was confusing. You have the drug use. You have the cheating, and also just you know random soulless sex is what it looked like. You know. He goes in for a kiss afterwards, and she's like, you know, puts her hand up and stops him. Um, and then you have a scene at the house where she is there. And I guess so we've created some tension here, but they diffuse that tension pretty quickly, I feel like. So I don't know. I'm not sure what it added or not. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure it was – I mean, I think we needed to see him cheat because he was going to cheat, you know, he needed some some kind of affection, something because because in the beginning, like she's withholds all affection from him, physical and emotional. You know, so he's going to go get that somewhere else. He's going to try to feel good with the drugs and the alcohol and the and the sex. But I don't know. I don't know if it would have been any less effective for him not for him to be with somebody else. You know, instead of like the cousin that he meets. And I kind of, I don't know about you, but I saw that coming like a mile away. Like when he showed up at the office and when she was attractive, I was like, oh, well, all right, <laughs> this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so I'm not sure it was the strongest choice, but it didn't wholly bother me other than the confusing parts about what exactly is going on with the, you know, with the court case and her picking the case. That that whole thing was like, she can take the case if she has this paperwork. Like, what does that make? That made no sense. That was really confusing. Uh, anyways, what else? I keep going on yeah. and on and on. <laughs> on and on and on and on. <laughs> what about you? Anything else you want to mention with our discussion here? 
I'm sure something will come to mind later, but nothing is coming to mind right now. Nothing is coming to mind right no, now. Nothing, nothing is coming <laughs> okay, well, to mind well, well. right now. Okay, so I want to bring up the other thing, I guess. Do you think... Well, let's talk about the final scene. Let's talk about the very end of the movie, then. The spoiler as we get. So right before the very, very end, it's her on the completed bridge, looking out into the water with a feeling of peace and dumping the ashes of the baby. She's had it cremated. And so I don't know if that means that, like... It was donated to science because that was a big question too. What is she going to do with the body, the remains? So that I was resolved pretty quickly too, right? I feel like we. I don't we know how that was resolved. That. That's, yeah, that was so a, that's another weak spot in the storytelling. Uh, same thing with the earring and the, the, you know, the affair, the getting caught there. Like I, I don't mind that that wasn't resolved. Not everything has to be resolved, but like what she's doing with the body was a pretty big part of the movie. So I don't know if it was given to science and then she got it back and then it was cremated. and then. But we see her dumping the ashes into the river on the completed bridge that her husband had started. And the camera kind of fades up and it's beautiful and it's lyrical and we could have ended the movie there, but we don't. There's a scene that happens earlier and it's very artsy. This time, instead of... You know about the colors earlier, which I thought was cool, you notice? It was very gray. The whole movie is very gray except for little bitty moments and spots where it's not but at the end the end scene is bright sunshine beautiful and we're in an apple tree and it's like a six-year-old girl climbing a tree that's apples and then we hear martha vanessa kirby's we don't see her because it's artsy we don't see her because it's so artsy it's through the tree we know it's her we know what's up right when you see a girl climbing the apple tree like all right i get it but it goes on for a very long time, and again, it's just so artsy, and it's just, I don't know. It kind of sums up the movie to me a little bit. Like, a good idea. Like, the, the credits roll executed. while we, we stay on the apple and the tree. Yeah, that doesn't, that, that doesn't really bother me. I like, the, really I like me. the, like, beautiful shots in the background while credits are going on. I actually, I, I quite enjoy that when that happens. Yeah. So, but I, to me, a, a better ending would have been... If we're going for artsy and ambiguous, like, why add this, why tack this, quote, happy ending on? You know, if that's, that that felt like what Hollywood would have done. Of course, they would have showed them, like, you know, her running and hugging and jumping in the arms and spinning around. Hollywood <laughs> would have shown. But, um, so this is a little different than that. But still, I, I don't know. It didn't, didn't, I'm not sure it made the movie better for me. No, I was I, already I where I think they either. wanted to And, get. like, that also goes into like some of other issues like with the like the courtroom speech like i was also like oh this is this is differently like big and happy like i wasn't really expecting that yeah it's not it's just not quite i'm not sure the movie quite knows what it wanted to be exactly you know is it a courtroom drama is it a domestic drama is it a little bit of both what's what's the journey exactly um but again, I'm still glad I saw it, and a B minus still feels still feels right. Like it's worth watching. Yeah, it is uh, completely worth watching. Uh, all right, anything else we want to say about Pieces of a Woman? Uh, no, nothing, nothing else. I'm excited to see what these people do next. Apparently, we had not heard of Cornell Mondrusco and Kato Weber beforehand. That apparently, like he, I think he had this movie called uh, White God. That apparently that that got a, we must have like missed that because apparently that a lot of people had had heard about it and it seems very cool. He's a kind of like a 
a Cannes darling. He's been invited the past, you know, seven or so years. Gotcha. Yeah, the Cannes Film Festival. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, there's nothing wrong with being ignorant. It's only a sin to remain so. Uh, what are you reading? Uh, I have started, and this was a Christmas present, I've started the Sandman stuff. I'm currently in the middle of volume three, and I was, I'm liking it more than I thought I would because kind of like it's so like hyped up so I, I purposely put down my expectations and then ended up loving it anyway because it is amazing the art is so good the writing is so good it's just so it's so interesting it's just a great read the characters are great there's so much like cool stuff going on it, it's just great it's just fun to read yeah and sometimes it really is hard to love something that everybody's told you you're going to love that's exactly kind of the problem I felt I was going to have. I'm glad. I'm glad it is. Uh, I'm glad you're not having that problem. Uh, what are you reading? I'm reading uh, a couple of things. I'm reading the Firefly graphic novel you guys got me for Christmas, and I'm loving it. Uh, about halfway through with that, and then I also started uh, a book called uh, Everything You Wanted to Ask an Indian But Were Afraid to. And I think I might have just that maybe that not quite <laughs> the title. Uh, Everything you wanted to know about Indians and were afraid to ask. And it's by a writer called uh, Anton Truer, who I believe is uh, Nashanabi. Uh, his brother is part of the faculty at uh, IAIA, where I'm getting my MFA, and he's awesome. David Truer is awesome, and his brother, they're both kind of, maybe I said they're Ojibwe, um, working to restore the language. And it's just, you know, full of questions, because often I'll get questions, you know, people find out that, you know, that I'm Native and I, I don't have good answers or good responses. And this, these are good responses. You know, like, you know, why should, why do Indians live on reservations? You know, how did that happen? What's, what really happened to Thanksgiving? You know, stuff like that, that people expect you to know, but not being raised in the culture. You know, I'm learning as I go. But I want to be able to speak intelligently-ish about these things. And so I think the book is helping with that a lot, actually. Uh, awesome, man. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening, everybody. Any, um, are we previewing anything we're doing soon? Or I'm not sure. We're gonna, I hope to try to do like WandaVision episode by episode. I think that'd be fun. I'm, ho- I'm hoping to record podcasts more than we do since we have fun doing them. I also think it's, that increases in your knowledge of like, you know, just watching something and talking about it. It's a way of learning. That's right. And we'll, we'll watch the things, and if they're bad, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you know about or it. We'll have fun According to them. us, of course. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, this was fun, and let's do it again soon. And thank you for listening. And Dana Dagahoi, until we meet again. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Serzier and Antoine Hulot. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email, a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.